in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24, since we're talking about the end times, I knew you'd be interested in knowing some things that I think will encourage you today and encourage me today. We live in, in critical times that require some critical living, critical thinking, and critical believing, and thank God for that. Isn't that right? But in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus here, you can read it later, I'll not read from the first verse, but you'll read about it. He's talking about the end times and what it's going to be like in the end times, what's going to happen there at the end days. And we believe that we're close to the end of the end days. But Matthew chapter 24, verse number 37, that's where I want to pick up and start talking to you about and sharing with you about some things here this morning. Things I don't believe it'll be beneficial to us and things that will help us uh, supernaturally. Matthew 24, verse number 37. The Bible says this, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. He's talking about as a, in the times of Noah, it's going to be like that when Jesus comes back to the earth. Verse 38, For as, as it is in the days that were before the flood... They were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. In other words, he was talking about that people weren't concerned about the Bible being true and about uh, the Word of God being true. Noah was preaching for 120 years while he was building the boat, the ark. We're in the ark, right? He was building the boat. I thought you would float last night, but you didn't. But anyway, I give you an opportunity. God sent the flood, you know. And, and of course, they had tornadoes where I'm from down in Oklahoma. They hit the ground and all that stuff. And, of course, it don't come near my house, you understand. We don't allow that. You don't allow it. But anyway, uh, so we know that while Noah was building the ark for 120 years, he was a preacher of righteousness, the Bible says. And another thing I want to point out to you, in Noah's day, out of the whole population that lived on planet earth at the time, only eight people believed what God said. It was Noah and his immediate family believed God. And I believe that's because Noah, as the head of the household declared and taught his children the right way. Isn't that right? And he taught them that God's word was true in his day. The manuscripts they had, the things they understood about God. He taught them the truth. So, for 120 years, he preached to the people and told them, and he was building the ark, and they laughed and scoffed and made fun of him because there'd never been a flood on planet Earth. Who in the world would need a boat to float because there's been no flood? Well... If God says a flood is coming, then a flood is coming. But the people there in that day did not believe God, but Noah did. And so Noah and his household, which were eight people total, eight people total, were saved. And that, were all, uh, that was all during the time of the flood. And then we know the animals, how they, they came to the ark, you know, different two of this kind, and sometimes they had more than two, if you go back and read about it, of different kind of species and things. And how did they get them all to the ark? How do you get two gigantic elephants to get on an ark? They had GPS, God positioning system. 
You thought it was that thing you got in your car, but they had GPS. And all them animals looked at the GPS. Oh, yeah, God's saying go this way. GPS, God positioning system. Oh, the arrow's pointing that way. We're going that way. How did the ants go? The ants go marching round and round. <laughs> you remember all those songs we used to sing as kids? Where they, they had God's positioning system. You know, Noah couldn't go out there. Eight people couldn't go out and bring all the species. God supernaturally brought them. How? By God's positioning system. In other words, the animals believed God, but the people didn't believe God. The animals prepared because God put in them an inerrant ability to listen to Him. said, how did all that happen? Don't know. All I know is it happened. They had God positioning system. Now I speak about God's positioning system because in every one of us, there's a God positioning system. God is constantly trying to communicate to us and say things to us that's going to help us in every area of our life. I know I experience this periodically in my life, or every day, where the Lord is leading me, guiding me, directing me, positioning me, getting me to go in this direction or that direction. So he talked about the days of Noah, and we talked about the animals having God's positioning system and GPS, and of course today we have GPS. But do you think that we could learn some things from the days of Noah that would help us today? Do you think so? Well, you want to look at a few things that we might could learn? From the days of Noah, number one, if you want to learn about the days of Noah that's going to help you today, the number one thing in Noah's day, number one, was don't miss the boat. You know how many people are missing the boat today? The boat has pulled into the shore. It's sitting over there ready to board, so to speak. Don't miss the boat. In other words, don't go out of this world without accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Don't go out of this world without confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord with your mouth and believing in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead. Because if you do go out of life without making Jesus Christ Lord of your life, then you are going to miss the boat. The day of Noah's day, while he was preaching to them for 120 years and warned them and told them that a flood was coming, all of them were not ready when the flood came. They were mocking, making fun. In fact, they got tired of going out and making fun of, of Noah building the boat after 120 years. They just gave it up, you know. But when the rain started falling, they all started running. You understand? But do you know the Bible says that God put Noah and his family and told them to go in the ark? The eight souls that were saved, the eight people of Noah's immediate family, the only eight people on the planet that were saved, God told them to go in the ark, and the Bible says God shut the door. When God says do something, listen to what he says. Don't miss the boat. I'm telling you, the boat's coming. <laughs> we got the ark here, but this is not the ark that we're going on. You know what I mean? Don't miss the boat. Can I tell you about a friend of mine that missed the boat? True story, but a sad story. You remember Fred Bullard? You remember him? He lived on Moy Road, M-O-Y-E. Y'all remember that? In fact, if you took Moy Road, if anybody's ever been to uh, Fort Benning, anybody ever been to Fort Benning here? 
Fort Benning, Moy Road used to be a road you could go in on, general public too, and go out on the, what we call the military reservation. And it come to a stop from Buena Vista Road. If you remember Buena Vista, you remember Buena Vista? I see everybody, they know where, they've been there before. Buena Vista Road, so I ain't making this up. Go off Buena Vista Road and go down the Moy Road, about a mile, a little over a mile, now there's a roadblock. And you can't go any further because of, uh, you know, military operations going on and they don't want just anybody in there. You have to go to the main gate to get in. It's like getting in Fort Knox. But it didn't used to be that way when we was kids. I grew up in Columbus, Georgia, which is right by Fort Benton. In fact, I grew up probably my home, boyhood home, was probably less than a mile the way the crow flies from the military reservation border. I don't be in a Vista Road. So to get to Fred Bullard's house, you had to leave my house, remember, and turn out of the driveway left and go down towards the Buena Vista Road. Now, Buena Vista, you know where it goes to? Buena Vista Road? It goes to Buena Vista, Georgia. <laughs> Creative name. The road goes to Buena Vista, so they call it Buena Vista Road. Now you can't go down that road. It used to be called 103, for those that's old enough to remember. Of course, it was, if you've been there in recent times, that road has not been open in years. But it used to be you could drive down 103 from Columbus, Georgia, which is Buena Vista Roads, which come right by my boyhood home, and you could drive down to Buena Vista, Georgia. But if, and you used to go out Moy Road, and you go out Moy Road, you go out here, you go out to Sand Hill. Y'all remember where Sand Hill was? Anybody been to Sand Hill? Oh, my Lord. Sand Hill, I see some folks remember, they're saying, don't bring that up, preacher. My God, I'm running. My God. Hey, I used to, we, as boys, we used to get to go out there. I mean, it, but it's changed. But I remember being out there at uh, 4 o'clock in the morning. I mean, years ago as a boy. I'd be, we'd be going through there going deer hunting, you know, down through there. And it was the shortest route to go. And back in those days, they let you as long as you didn't act like too much like a fool, you know. And uh, we'd go out through there. And about 4 o'clock in the morning, they'd have them troops in order. And they would be out there marching on the road. And they'd be singing songs like this, Jody's got your gal and gone. Ain't no use in going home. <laughs> Anybody remember that? Woo! I see some hands here. But I, I, I come up in that area in that time when I was a kid. We, we seen all that stuff. I said, what's this got to do with Fred? Nothing, but I thought the information would be interesting. <laughs> you need to know all these things. So here I am. And to get to Fred Bullard's house, from our house, you had to go out on Buena Vista Road, which our driveway, come out on Buena Vista Road, turn left, and go approximately three-quarters of a mile, and you turn right on Moy Road. And we got people here that know what I'm talking about. Moy Road, M-O-Y-E, was named after a school teacher named Miss Moy. Very creative. I'm telling you, very creative. Miss Moy. Miss Moy lived on the hill on the corner. Y'all remember that? There's no hill there now. Because they took bulldozers and front-end loaders and hauled the dirt away to fill in holes around in different places. Anyway, you turned on Moy Road, right, went down through there about, uh, I don't know, less than a half a mile. And if you turned right, you come on this little dirt driveway, and then you rode down this little dirt driveway, and then Fred Bullard's house is on the left. Y'all remember that? Where Fred Bullard lived there on the left? You could get there now. And the old house place is there, but Fred's not there. I'm talking about don't miss the boat. Well, Fred, Leon, Larry, Starley, y'all remember all them. Tommy, y'all remember them. 
Bullard. B-U-L-L-A-R-D, Bullard, you know. So Fred Bullard, Larry Bullard, Starley Bullard, Leon Bullard, uh, and uh, Stephen Bullard, Tommy Bullard, all the Bullards, they were known for white lightning and drinking and carrying on and carousing. Of course, I used to be uh, in the crowd with them, you know. But uh, they would, on one of their big deals on Friday night, there's most all of them were carpenters, you know, build houses and things, had their subcontractors building houses for contractors, framing and stuff, you know, and trim work and stuff. Well, on Friday night, their big deal, when they got off with their other buddies, they'd build a fire down there by Fred's and Leon's house. Y'all remember Fred lived on the left, Leon lived on the right. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember them houses? And then they'd, they'd get a bunch of old wood and just go out there and build a fire, stand around there, drink and talk, and ain't no telling, fight, shoot, cut, ain't no telling what's liable to happen at the campfire. Well, one night, here come my brother. Y'all remember my brother Scott, right? And Scott, my brother, had got gloriously born again. You remember how he got born again? You remember that? He was going down Highway 431 in Alabama. He had come through the military base. You remember how you could go out the back? They used to have a, I called it a pontoon bridge. You know, the bridge that the army can put out, you know, across the river. Y'all remember? These folks in here know what I'm talking about. They need to educate y'all. But anyway, they put a, a pontoon bridge, is what I call it, a floating device, and you could drive across that thing, one car at a time. They'd stop the traffic on the other side, and you could, once you cross that river, you'd be in Alabama. So my brother was going down Highway 431. He was headed down to Down Home, Alabama. Y'all remember where that was, right? That's Dothan. Down Home is where you got them good tomatoes. Oh, my Lord. Everybody wanted to go Down Home, Dothan, Alabama, to get them good tomatoes right off the vine. Everybody did. So he was going down 431, and he had him some Budweiser's and some Marlboro's, and they going to tell him what else he had, you know. And he was driving down the road in this old 65 Biscayne Chevrolet. Y'all remember that old light blue one, you know? Two-door, hard top. Y'all remember that? Had the automatic windows. You automatically rolled them down in those days. <laughs> now, you young folks don't know what I'm talking about, but there's some folks in here has got cotton tops that can tell you about those days. You know what I mean? So he's riding out down the road with his window down, and all of a sudden on top of the hill, said, what's this got to do with Fred? Just hang on. It just takes us a while to get there. We're going back to Moy Road. We, we're going, but now we're going down 431 in Alabama. Remember that? We're on the other side of the military base now, the other side of Fort Benning. So he's driving down that road. And on the right-hand side, sitting up on a hill, there was a gospel tent. A Pentecostal preacher had set up a tent there on the side of the road. Well, my brother was driving down Highway 431, wasn't even thinking about God, could care less about God, but laugh in your face about God. He went by that tent, driving down the road, and something just came all over him. And he said, my God, I'm going to hell. My God, I'm going to hell. He got to thinking about the boat. Y'all thought I forgot about the boat. He didn't care about the boat till he went past that gospel tent and something got off on him. Somebody had been praying. Somebody had been seeking God. He got to thinking about, I don't want to miss the boat. Because the most important thing in Noah's day was don't miss the boat. Remember that? Don't miss the boat. Don't let your friends miss the boat. Don't let your children miss the boat. Catch the boat. Jesus Christ. He's the boat today. So anyway, he's driving down and he just got into conviction. He turned that car around. And what he did, 
he decided, well, I can't take all this beer and stuff up there, so he put it out in the ditch, you know. And he took that 65 Biscayne light blue Chevrolet up with the automatic windows, roll them down, you know. He drove up there, and there was a man underneath the tent, you know, straightening stuff up and everything. He got out and found out this is the preacher, the Pentecostal preacher. And he said, how can I help you, son? He said, I don't know. He said, but I was just driving down the road here, and all of a sudden, he said, I had this feeling that I was going to hell. And he said, I want to get what you call saved. I heard Granny and Mama talk about it. I want to get saved. I want to get saved. And the preacher said, are you married? He said, yes, I'm married. He said, are you serious? He said, yes, I'm serious. He said, you wouldn't play with me? No, no, I'm not playing. I'm telling you, I threw my beer out and everything, and I come back up here. That's serious when you throw your beer out, you know what I mean? Budweiser, too. Throwed it out. That was high dollar stuff in that day, you know what I mean? He said, I threw my beer out. He said, I don't believe you're serious enough. He said, it ain't going to take unless you mean it. The preacher had a lot of sense. He said, if you really mean it, he said, go home, get your wife, and bring her back to the service tonight. We start at 6.30. He said, you ain't going to let me get saved. He said, no. I'm not going to let you in the boat. I'm not going to give you a ticket. What he's trying to do is make sure it stuck and took. You know, I'm not saying you should do that all the time. You just have to follow the Spirit of God. I'm sure the preacher was. So he went home and told Kathy. I'll remember Kathy, his wife. He went home and told her, Kathy, had this experience. I stopped and talked to the preacher at the tent, and he won't let me get saved unless you come to church. <laughs> she said, What? He's crazy. That's the way she talks, you know. He's crazy. She just tells you, he's out of his mind. I ain't never heard a preacher that wouldn't let you get saved. She said, well, he won't let me get saved. She said, well, I ain't going. He said, yes, you are. I ain't going to hell. I'm telling you now, I ain't going to hell. He got concerned about missing the boat. Most folks are not concerned about missing the boat today. As it was in the days of Noah, they're going about everyday life. They could care less about what's going on. They're living for the here and now. Not realizing tomorrow may be different than today. But you've got to prepare for it. So they went back to the tent that night. She was under duress and stress. But he forced her to go. The caveman style. Come on, woman, you know. <laughs> I ain't going to hell. You go. I'm going to that preacher to pray with me. Because they had that experience. They went in and sat down and and they got up there and sang some of them old gospel quartet hymns. You know what I mean? Oh, God. And it just jerked at Kathy's heartstrings. And she got to squalling, sitting there in the tent. Now, squalling's different than crying, you know. Crying's where you can get your breath. Squalling's where you get your breath every now and then. Y'all remember that, don't you? She was squalling. I mean, it just touched her. That same feeling, she called it, that got on her husband, Scott, which is my brother, got on my sister-in-law, Kathy, underneath that tent. And they couldn't wait for that preacher to be quiet. <laughs> as soon as he gave the call, they went to get on the boat. My God, let me go, let me go. Now they went up there, and the preacher prayed with them. 
led them to Jesus. Not only did they get gloriously born again, they were filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak in other tongues right there underneath the tent, old Pentecostal tent. They forever changed his life. And so he's in the ministry now. He don't go to the campfires anymore on Friday and Saturday and Sunday night out at Fred's because he used to with Leon and Larry and Starley. Y'all remember that? Bullard, y'all remember that? And Tommy, y'all remember that? And so he don't go no more. You know, he's, he's going another way. But it just so happened he was coming from an appointment he had on a Friday night, and he was coming through the reservation from the shortcut down from Casita, Georgia. Anybody know what Casita, Georgia is? Raise our hand, raise our hand. Where that's a, It's down below Fort Benning there. On Highway 27. Used to be a speed trap. Slow down if you're going through there. I'm telling you, you're going to get a ticket. But it's not far. In fact, on the very southern edge of the Fort Benning military base, but it'd be on the south, uh, right south of uh, Sand Hill. When you come out from down Sand Hill, go down through that way. Y'all remember what Sand Hill was? Sand Hill's a bunch of sand. Nah, I'll just tell you the truth about it. Very creative. I've been all over that base. As a kid, not now. But anyway, my brother, this is years later now. My brother, years later, after he's saved, he's in the ministry. He's called to be a preacher. I mean, from there, he went from being a good Christian attending church to he got into the full-time traveling ministry. He was an evangelist out preaching. So he had to cut through the Fort Benning Military Reservation. Remember off of Highway 27? Highway 27 went from Columbus, Georgia, down to Casita, Georgia, south, you know, of Fort Benning. And so he's coming up through there, and he cut through Stan Hill. Because if you knew how to do it, you could come out on Moy Road, come out on Vista Road, and then turn, and he lived down there at 6534. Y'all remember that? 6534, y'all remember that, where he lived? And so, anyway, he come through there, and when he come by, he just glanced, because he knew that that used to be his old stomping grounds. Y'all remember where your old stomping grounds were? Y'all remember that? You can look at them longingly, but don't go back to them. You understand? You don't. So he looked down there just to, for curiosity as he's coming up Moy Road. He's going that way. So Fred's house would be down that road to your left, you know. Because he's going that way towards Bean Vista Road. But he looked down there. Sure enough, he could see flames glistening through the trees. And he knew that there was a fire down behind them trees because it wasn't right beside the road. And as he was going up, he, going up after, right after he passed it, he heard this in his spirit inside of him, which is God. Don't miss the boat. He said, go back and talk to Fred. Go back and talk to Fred. He said, Lord, I don't want to go back. He said, I don't do that no more. He said, if I get around that stuff, he said, I don't fit there no more. Lord, I'm out here preaching. By this time, he had done got to be in Vista Road, because remember, it ain't, it's less than a half a mile from Fred's house to be in Vista Road. I talked to you that already. So don't make me draw you a map. But anyway, he decided... Well, I, if I override this, I believe I'll miss God. You know, it's just so overwhelming that he had to go back. An urge, an overwhelming urge, you got to go back and talk to Fred. Out of all of them, Leon, Starley, uh, you know, and Travis, any of them, he, Tommy, he had to talk to Fred. He knew he had to talk to Fred. So he backed up in Miss Moy's driveway, because Moy Road's named after her, you know. She's a school teacher. And he backed up Miss Moy's driveway and turned around and went back. When he got down to the old driveway, he turned in. You know, he didn't want to because he knew what was going on down there. He didn't know what was going to be happening, but he knew they'd be drinking and drunk and ain't no telling what all. So he drove up. And, of course, they was looking to see who it was, you know, driving up. And they didn't recognize the vehicle he was in because they hadn't seen him in years. So they didn't know if it was a revenue and to run or get the pistols and fight, you know. 
Oh, you know, you'd have to remember these days. But anyway, he pulled up and got out. When they seen his face in the firelight, of course, everybody said, Scott, Scott, hey, buddy, how you doing? Scott, come on, I ain't seen you a long time. So he started walking over there, and he had a little Bible in his hand. When he walked up to them, immediately they all hung their heads. This used to be in the days that they respected preachers, in these days. Even though there was heathens, immediately, no more cussing. I ain't talking about cursing, I'm talking about cussing. No more cussing and talking ranchy, raunchy talk or nothing. They hung their heads down and he walked up. Hey, you know, started to talk to them. And they, hey, how you doing, you know, and every now and then he said, Leon would look up and look at him and look back down, you know. And so he walked up beside Fred. And Fred's standing there by the fireplaces. Y'all remember how he used to dress? He wore overhauls with a white short sleeve t-shirt and a pair of Brogan work boots. Y'all remember Fred? That's how he dressed. Just a country fellow, you know. So anyway, here he is. And he's standing there beside Fred. He said, Fred... He said, I don't know why. I said, but I just passed the driveway. He said, I wasn't going to stop. He said, but God told me to come back. Fred, I don't know what it is, but you've got to get right with God tonight. Tonight is your night. He said, Fred, do you believe that God would send me and tell you this? And Fred was very humble. Head down, yeah, yeah. He said, do you believe in Jesus? And yeah, I heard Mama talk about it. Ma Bullard, y'all remember Ma Bullard? Ma Bullard, she was a good woman, you know. Had a lot of rambunctious boys. And a rambunctious daughter or two. Y'all remember Carol and Myra, don't you? Carol and Myra. He said, God sent me here, Fred. And said, you better get right with God. He wasn't threatening him. He was doing it out of love. And compassion. Fred, I don't know what it is, but you need to make it right with God tonight. What Fred didn't know is the boat was coming the next day. Scott didn't know the boat was coming the next day. Remember point one, don't miss the boat. In Noah's day, it was important, don't miss the boat. It's the same way today just on a larger scale worldwide. Fred hung his head, and Scott just kept pleading. You know, my brother kept pleading with him about the Lord. He said, I know what you're saying is true. I do believe what Mama told me is true. I believe the Bible's God's book, even though he'd never been in a church in his lifetime. Never been in a church. Never read the Bible. I mean, he might have accidentally flipped it open one time, but... That'd be it. And he said, I believe that. He said, but. He said, I'm not ready now. I'm not going to do it now. I'm not going to do it. He said, I believe everything you're saying is true. And I believe God sent you here. He said, but I'm not going to do it. But Scott stood around and pleaded another seven to eight to ten minutes. And then realized, you know, I don't want to push it too far. I didn't want to make him mad, you know, because he was getting agitated. Because he kept pushing him. So he just told them all bye, shook their hands, you know. Got in his car, left. As he went left, he began to weep. My brother did. He said he began to weep. His tears 
became so that he could hardly see. So when he got to Buena Vista Road from Moy Road, which is less than a half a mile, he just had to pull over the side of the road, sit there and lay on the steering wheel and just weep. It was the compassion of God rising up in him. He was interceding for Fred and he didn't realize all at that time what was going on. But the Spirit of God was pleading for Fred through my brother. When God inspires you to pray for somebody, don't push it lightly aside. Pick it up. It may be their last day. It may be that God is using you to get them a ticket on the boat. So my brother finally got his composure and went on home. And his wife said, well, what would you, where you been? It took you a while. And he told her about Fred. She said, oh, I, she knew Fred, you know. Oh, I hope he listened. I hope he listened. So Scott, my brother, did listen. Remember, he passed the tent and heard the voice speak to him or this feeling come on him. And he went back and he got the ticket. He got on the boat. So don't miss the boat. So the next day, which would be Sunday, it was Saturday night that this happened, I think. I said Friday. It was Saturday night on this particular night because they done it Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Saturday night, my brother talked to Fred. Sunday, around lunchtime, his wife, Patricia, y'all remember her, Pat? Pat Bullard? Y'all remember Pat? She's a good cook, too. I mean, good cook. Pat Bullard was cooking in the kitchen and cooking him lunch, you know. He was sitting in a chair in the living room, you know, had the TV on. He wasn't thinking about God or nothing. All of a sudden, she heard a big crash hit the floor like somebody fell. She went running there hollering, Fred! Fred! And Fred was laying face down in the floor, then fell out of his chair, dead, as we'd say in the country, as a doornail. He had a massive heart attack, never once opened his mouth, and God didn't kill him. You understand? God didn't do it. But God knew the heart attack was coming the next day. Fred missed the boat. He said, Brother Randy, you too serious. I know. But there's a lot of people missing the boat. If God inspires you to pray or minister to somebody, yield to them. Don't force nothing on people. But if God inspires you, remember, do what God said. Let me give you another point about Noah's day. Plan ahead. It wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. It took 120 years for them to build the ark. A lot of people just live for today. Don't live for just today. Plan for the future. Serve God today because it's going to help you in your future. Seek God today because it's going to help you in your future. A lot of people want to wait until they come across an emergency in their life and then pray and everything's going to be all right. If you're not in a position to pray like you should, you may not come through that emergency like you should. A good example, biblical example of this, is the disciples that walked with Jesus every day. Remember when they were in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was being arrested on Passover. Remember that? Y'all remember that? It's in the Bible. On Passover. The disciples walked with Jesus every day. And he told them, pray that you enter not into temptation. The greatest test and trial of their life was about to come upon them. And he wanted them to plan ahead so they'd be ready for it when it got there. So Jesus said, you sit here and pray. Because he knew the test was coming. He even told Peter. He said, before the rooster crows three times... 
He said, I mean, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Right before this, the same he's trying to get him to plan for his future. Peter said, oh no, I'm going to be ready. If they catch you and arrest you, they're going to have to get me. If you die, I'm going to die with you. And so the disciples, they basically said the same thing. They was walking with Jesus. But he was trying to get them to plan ahead. Don't wait for the crisis to come. Don't wait for the attack to come. Don't wait for the test and trial to come. Be ready for it when it does come. Prepare yourself in advance. Plan ahead. Noah planned ahead. He planned for 120 years. Isn't that right? But here they are. Jesus tells him, you, you pray here, and I'm going yonder and pray. Remember, he went, the Bible says about a rock's throw. In other words, from, or as far as you could throw a rock, as far as he went. And he knelt down, he began to pray. And then he decided to go back and check on them. And you know what they were doing, the disciples? They were sawing logs, Granny said. They were snoring and uh, carrying on. They were sleeping during the day of planning. You can't sleep during the day of preparation because if you do, you won't be ready for the day that's coming your way. Jesus warned them that you're going to be tested, you're going to be tried. They said, no, we're going to be ready. So he come back and told them, pray. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. He left again. What did they do? They went to sleep. I'm not belittling them. I'm learning from their experiences what we're doing. They went to sleep. You remember that. So he told them to prepare, but they didn't plan ahead. Noah took 120 years planning before the rain came. He was ready when it came. The flood came. But when they came to arrest Jesus, do you know what all the disciples, disciples did that followed him, that lived with him and ate with him with every day, all 12 of them? They all ran, and every single one of them, every one of them denied that they knew who Jesus Christ was because they were not ready for the day of opposition and temptation and test and trial. Plan ahead. Say, well, nothing's bad's happening today. Well, thank God for it. But get strong for tomorrow. Confess good things on your future. Isn't that right? Speak good things about your future like Pastor already told us here in the service this morning about faith. Speak good things out of your mouth. Prepare for your future. I'm glad you're excited. I did take you down Moy Road and brought you back. Another thing is stay fit. When you're 600 years old, God may ask you to do something for Him. Noah was 600 years old when God asked him to build the boat. And some of you are complaining about my bago, lumbago, Winnebago's got you. I'm here to tell you, Noah was 600. 600 years old, and he was working, he was building. Stay fit. Stay healthy in God, in His Word. Confess healing over your life, over your children. Confess what you want to see. Confess that you've got a perfect sound mind and a perfect memory. You know, there's a lot of people today, you know, and I'm not belittling nobody, but a lot of people are getting what they call Alzheimer's. We went through it with our grandparents. And it was horrible. Wonderful people. I mean, wonderful people. Godly people. But they lost their ability to communicate and think properly. They would see things that were not there. And they would talk to people that were not there. And just bad things, you know. So plan ahead for your future saying this, that you've got a perfect sound mind. 
in memory. That you got perfect eyesight. You got perfect hearing. You got perfect teeth and you keep them all. Maybe with the help of a dentist and a few wires, but anyway, you keep them. <laughs> and plan ahead by keeping all five physical senses. So that might not seem important to you now, but as you get some age on you, you get about 600, it's going to be very important. Very important. But if you don't prepare for that day, you can't wait for that day and then try to play catch up. You got to do it now. So that's, I'm doing these things now because the Holy Ghost taught me to do these things several years ago. About actually 10 years ago. One way I do all this stuff is when I get in the shower to strike my beauty. You know what I mean? Get everything going the right way. I start confessing these things over myself. And it won't hurt you either. What am I doing? I'm planning ahead. I'm planning for the future. What kind of future do you want? Speak and declare what you want to see, and it shall come to be. Plan ahead. Plan ahead. The other thing is, don't listen to critics. Noah was criticized for 120 years, telling him he could not do it. He could not carry on the plan of God. He could not do this. Laughed and mocked and made fun of him and his family, and probably the only people he had to help him unless he hired somebody was his three sons and him, and their wives and his, and his wife. And that's it. But instead of listening to the critics, fighting with the critics, he just went on about God's business. Don't let somebody talk you out of the blessings of God. Don't let you somebody talk you out of the Word of God. If God's Word says it, it belongs to you, and you can have it. Don't pay too much attention to critics. Because there's always going to be somebody that tells you you can't, you can't, you can't. They told me I'd never receive a full pardon. If you don't know the whole story, it'll give you a free permanent wave. But I stand here today with a full pardon granted to me by the government of the United States of America. Even though I had been in prison for many years of my life, I was gloriously born again. Driving down the road on my third escape from prison the first week of May of 1982. Then I was granted that nine years after I got out, it took me several years to get out. Nine years after I got out, I was granted a full pardon by the government of the United States of America with the right to own and possess a firearm. Only God could do such a thing. But I didn't listen to the critics because they all told me you can't do it. There's no way. There's no way. It's impossible. But I stood on God's way. I stood on God's word. And many of you here, some of you here, I put it like that, know my story, know my past, know where I come from. And you can verify that. You know exactly what happened. <clears throat> Sometimes we want to do things in a hurry. The next point is speed is not always an advantage. The snails were on board with the cheetahs. Mr. and Mr. Malone, there's cheetahs over there. They're the fastest land mammal in the world, and they cannot outrun them. They can get up to speeds as high as 60 and 70 miles per hour, a cheetah. So if one gets after you, just give your heart to God. <laughs> Kneel down and start praying, oh God, make me a good meal. <laughs> I uh, no, you better start praying. 
Because you ain't going to outrun no doggone cheetah. But do you know, the snail was on the ark just like the cheetah was. Somebody go, ah, ah. pace yourself. Don't try to do it all at once. It may overwhelm you. I am one to get that way. I can get a lot of projects going. And I learned <laughs> to slow down here. And I move a whole lot slower than I used to. I used to be one to just to run and jump off the cliff. And then when I get in midair, headed down, I say, where am I going? <laughs> it's too late. Your destiny's already determined. You're going down. It's like somebody in off-fly aircraft and on airplanes. But anyway, there's a friend of mine, you know, asking me, he said, what if you're in a single-engine airplane and the engine quit? He said, how do you know what in the world to do? My, my Lord, he said, I just panicked trying to think of what to do. I said, sir, I said, it's already predetermined. I said, if the engine quits, you're going down. <laughs> just find a cotton field to put her in. Just hope it's down there to put her in there somewhere and slide it in on his belly. Because you're going down. They don't need to panic. Cheetahs are the fastest land animal in the world. But the snails were on the boat too. Isn't that right? So speed is not always a necessary ingredient to live for God. Even though it's good to get things done, don't overwhelm yourself. And remember this, the moral of the story is, don't try to outrun the cheetah. Just kneel down and pray. <laughs> I think they're going on a safari, so kneel down and pray. And if there's a cage, get in the cage and keep the thing out, you know. <laughs> I'm trying to finish up. Y'all keep agging me on. You know what I mean? You know what Noah learned in his family about being on the ark, and it'll help you in your life? When you're stressed, float a while. Noah's ark was being tossed and turned and about to flip over and stress was going on, they just laid up in the hayloft and let God handle it. Turn your life over to God. Don't stress about everything. Don't worry about everything. And I know it's easier said than done, but if you don't watch it, you'll be stressed out in life, and it affects you physically and mentally every other way. Don't overstress. Depend on God and allow Him to take care of you. And then this is one that I've saved for you purposely. Because a lot of people think, well, I don't have this ability. I, I don't have this talent. I can't do this, and I can't do that. I wish I could do something for God. I wish I had this ability. I wish I had this talent. I wish I had this. Remember this about the ark. The ark was built by amateurs. The Titanic was built by professionals. Was it not? And the Titanic sunk. And the ark did not. So a lot of times we look for abilities that we think we got to have when God is His ability working through us. It was God giving Noah and his sons and his family the ability to build the ark and they weren't even engineers. But the greatest shipbuilding engineers in the world designed the Titanic and had it built and it sunk. And I'm not against them. Well, there's reasons. You ought to hear the history behind all that. And you'll understand. It was more than just hitting an iceberg. 
There was a lot of stuff behind that. Good friend of mine in New York, he could take you down that road, but I don't have time. I do have time, but you may not. The Titanic sunk because of things that was being done wrong. Can I tell you one thing? They're supposed to have a guy in the crow's nest with binoculars looking for the ice, ice out there. But the binoculars were being used by somebody for sightseeing down on the deck by one of the main officers. And he didn't give the younger buck up there that was just a corporal. He wouldn't give him the thing so he could see because he's trying to impress these ladies on the ship. Woo! Don't make me come back there. But if he'd had the binoculars, he'd have seen that iceberg a lot sooner than he did. But he didn't have them up there. You know what I mean? <laughs> so there's a lot more to it. But anyway, remember this. The ark was built by amateurs. But the Titanic was built by professionals. So a lot of times we think that we've got to have all this ability when all we need is God's ability. Isn't that right? God's the one that's going to put us over. So Brother Randy, is there any more lessons we can learn from Noah's ark? Yes. I've got a lot of lessons that the Lord has taught me over the years. Because he's, he illustrates things to me so I can understand them. And that's exactly what I've done to you this morning. I've illustrated things to you so you can understand them. Jesus always taught in parables and stories. And that's the way that we can communicate better and people can understand it. So I expect you to float your boat. And in closing, build your future on high ground. When the ark came to a rest, it came to rest on Mount Ararat. Know this. Through every storm that you sail through, that God is with you, there's a rainbow at the end. Isn't that right? Remember the rainbow? When you see the rainbow in the sky, God put that rainbow there as a covenant with man. Know this, God still has that covenant with you. And if you're going through a storm like Noah and the ark did, at the end, God was with them. And what was happening? There was a rainbow in the sky. Have you ever seen a rainbow? Every time you see it, don't take it lightly. God put that rainbow there as a covenant with God. It's a visual reference that God's had a covenant with the human race. God's created. It's in your Bible. Go read about the rainbow and how it came about. God did it. Man didn't do that. God did. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe this. Your greatest days are yet ahead of you. Even though you face challenges, even though you've had oppositions, even though you've had attacks spiritually, physically, materially, financially, maybe educationally, I believe your greatest days are ahead of you. And if you'll capitalize on just a few of these thoughts that I gave you this morning and put them into action in your life, I'll guarantee you you'll find out that your future is a whole lot brighter than your past. We thank God for everything that God has brought us through. But we thank God for where he's taken us to. Isn't that right? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you.